Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of From God to Us. Our current series is on worship called Come, Let Us Worship, and today is the last episode in that particular series. Our next series will be called How We Got the Bible, so be sure to turn in for that series. How many of you had a childhood hero? Was there someone in your life that you looked up to? Was there someone you admired so much that you wanted to be like that person? Some of you may have had a relative that you admired, a parent, grandparent, aunt, or uncle. Some of you may have had a, a sports figure that you thought was the greatest at their sport and you wanted to be just like them. Maybe there was an entertainer or a movie star that you found amazing. Many of us had some kind of hero that we wanted to be like when we grew up. My boyhood idol was Roy Rogers. Yes, I grew up during the time of the singing cowboy. These cowboys were, were men who always saved the day in the end. And then they would woo the beautiful young ladies with their serenade of song and music played on their guitar. Roy Rogers was my favorite and I literally worshipped him. He had a two-gun holster with matching six-shooters. He rode a Palomino horse named Trigger and he always saved the day. His early works were cowboy movies where he sometimes played the part of another character. He later got his own television show with Dale Evans called Happy Trails. Some of you of my generation may remember singing Happy Trails to you. On Saturday morning, Roy's original movies came on around 7 a.m., I was always up in plenty of time with my double gun holster and trusty cap guns in hand. When that was over, I would go outside and play Roy Rogers. Then around 11 a.m., Happy Trails came on. Well, I would go back in, watch another Roy Rogers show, eat lunch, and then outside for another rip-roaring episode of my own version of Roy Rogers. One day, I overheard my parents talking about names for the child that my mother was expecting. At that time, they did not know whether it was a boy or a girl. So I walked up to my parents and I told them that I had the perfect name for the baby if it was a boy. My father asked me what that was, and I exclaimed very loudly and very proudly, Roy Rogers. Well, my father laughed until he realized I was dead serious. I mean... What greater compliment could there be than to be named after the greatest cowboy ever? Well, of course, my parents didn't name my little brother Roy Rogers. Later, I even told my sister that when Roy Rogers got too old to be Roy Rogers, well, in my little mind, I wanted to grow up and to take his place. I wanted to be Roy Rogers in the worst way. You know, there are a lot of parallels with my fascination with Roy Rogers and the true worship of God Almighty. The Bible is full of instructions of how we are to exalt and praise the name of our Heavenly Father and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are three passages that I'd like to share with you, which, which I will draw some conclusions from on worship. Now, there are many, many passages on worship that we could turn to, and these three happen to be in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, 
And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In this passage, the the writer to the Hebrews helps us to understand that praise sometimes is a sacrifice. You see, because we are very self-centered people, and to praise someone else, we must set aside our wants, our own desires, and we must give ourselves to exalt and to praise another person. He says, it's the fruits of lips that confess his name. In other words, we must be willing with our lips to praise and confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that sacrifice comes in another way. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Sometimes it literally is a sacrifice to share and to serve other people. Again, we are so selfish and we have so many things that we have to do. We have our own agendas. Sometimes we need to just set aside our busyness and look for the need of others to serve them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is also a sacrifice of praise. Another passage is in 1 Corinthians 10.31 where Paul declares, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Now this is in a passage where Paul has been talking about this issue of eating meat and sacrifice to idols and things like that and whether we should or should not eat. So he says, whatever you do, in other words, whatever you eat, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever type of drink you choose, whatever it is you do in life, do it all for the glory of God. Pretty tall order for us to live up to. But this is part of our worship of God is when we acknowledge him and give glory to him in all the things that we do. The third passage I wanted to refer to here is Colossians 3, 16 and 17, which states, Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here Paul encourages us to let the word of Christ, let his words, his teaching, his truth dwell in you richly as we also admonish and teach one another. Not, not just teach others, but let the word dwell in you first so that it becomes a part of you and then teach others. And then he goes on to say, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When the word of God is dwelling in us and it's a part of our communities, song is the natural outflow of our worship of God. Songs, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts, thankfulness in your hearts to God. One of the best ways we can worship God is to always thank him. Every day, give thanks to God. And then he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do something in someone's name is to do it on their behalf, to do it for their glory, to do it for their benefit. And so when we do something in the name of Jesus, we're doing it for his sake, for his benefit, not just for ours. And then giving thanks there again giving thanks to God the Father through him. We must give thanks at all times. These are some very powerful verses that I would like to draw, I think, three 
areas of worship that grow out of these verses that I see and, and other verses in the in the scripture as well that show us that there are three primary areas that with which we worship God, and that is our head, our hearts, and our hands. We worship God with our head when we let his word, that is his truth, dwell within us. We must know what God has revealed about himself to mankind. So reading and studying the Bible gives us great insight into his character and into his nature and to all the things that God does. I worship God with my head, that is with my mind, when I understand and acknowledge his greatness and his mighty works along with his never-ending love and grace. You may remember that worship comes from the word worthiness and it's when we recognize God's worth in all these things. He is great, he is mighty, he is holy, he is just, he is true, he is righteous, but he's also loving and kind and gracious and merciful. Many of the things that we learn about God are found in the scriptures. And so we must acknowledge this. We must know it. We must understand who God is. And in our, in our minds, acknowledge this and recognize the truth about who God truly is. You see, if I was going to be Roy Rogers, then I had to know what Roy Rogers was all about. I had to know him as much as possible. Thus, Two hours every Saturday morning were devoted to watching and learning about Roy and how he acted. We too must learn what God is like, understand who he is, and then acknowledge that in our life and in our worship and with our words. It's not just enough to know information about God. We must learn to let it become a part of our being and our thinking. Meditation has become a lost art among Christians today. Early Christians spent far more time than we do contemplating God's truth and allow it to sink deep within the core of their beings. They weren't nearly distracted with all the entertainment that we have today, and they would spend hours contemplating, meditating upon the Word of God. And when we worship God with our hearts, we are concerned with Him in our inner person, worshiping him within our inner person. The heart of mankind is the inner immaterial part of our being. The heart, as is mentioned in the Bible, is not the muscle that pumps blood throughout the body. It's our soul. It's our spirit. It's our emotions. It's our inner self. And we must learn to connect with God on a heart level. This is where the real relationship takes place. We must give our complete being to engage in worship with God, not not just our minds. You see, playing Roy required that I give my complete self to the part, at least as much as a seven-year-old boy can. I attempted to be Roy himself in every way that I could. I loved him so much that I wanted to be like him in every aspect of his being. When we worship God with our hearts, we are connecting again on a spiritual level. It's not just the knowledge that in our minds, we're letting that knowledge become a part of our being so that worship 
It grows out of the very core of our being, from our soul, from our spirit, from the inner man. As we take the word of God in, as we meditate on it, as it becomes a part of our life, then we begin to worship God, not only in it, just acknowledging who he is, we learn to worship him within a relationship. Then we must also worship God with our hands. That is, we must use our lives to do his work, to do the physical things, to do the literal things of his work. Worship in our minds and worship in our hearts is part of what we do, but then that has to work itself out in a practical way. We must live out what we say we believe. In other words, we must be willing to obey him by serving others. Jesus told us, if you love me, then you will obey my commands. And part of those commands is to love others as you love yourself. So we give of our time. We give of our talents to serve other people around us who are in need. That's within the church and outside the church. This is part of the worship is when we do practical things to serve other people. We do them. We do the things that Jesus did as much as possible. Some things we can't do, raise the dead, heal the blind, obviously. But we look at the pattern of his life and we attempt to pattern our lives after that. The love that he had for individuals was expressed throughout his ministry. And the love that he had for his people Israel was expressed throughout his ministry. And so he left us this example to follow and we must follow him in our daily lives. We must look for opportunities where we can worship and serve other people. You see, playing Roy required that I do what Roy did. Though the horse was not real and the villains were not real, they were as real in the mind of a little boy as they could be. I did what Roy did as much as was humanly possible. And when we serve Jesus... We do as much for him, we act as much like him as is humanly possible. And this is an act of worship of God. We worship God with our head. We acknowledge the truth of who he is. We learn about who he is. We acknowledge him with our heart. We connect with him on a personal level, on a spiritual level, through meditating on the word and through prayer and through communication. We worship him. We worship him with our hands in what we do. Head, heart, and hands. These are all a part of our worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I grew up and Roy Rogers just became a childhood fantasy. I moved on with my life realizing that I would never be Roy Rogers. I shared this story as an illustration in a church in Colorado where I was uh, pastoring. And afterwards, a gentleman about my age came up to me and, and he said to me, you said that you grew out of your fascination with Roy Rogers. Then he said, well, I never did. And he pointed to a great big Roy Rogers belt buckle that he was wearing. <laughs> he didn't know about my fascination with Roy Rogers, but he hadn't lost his and he was still wearing his Roy Rogers belt buckle as an adult man. And it was interesting. He didn't know I was going to talk about it that day, but he wore his, his belt buckle. You know, I think we think about that. Yes, we may have grown out of our fascination with individuals and such, 
But, you know, we never grow out of our need for worship. That's what we were created to do. God created us to bring glory to his name. And when we are saved and we are, we are redeemed, we're placed back into the right fellowship with God. We're placed back into a right relationship so that we can worship him appropriately. We never stop worshiping someone or something in our lives, even if it is ourselves. We talked about that in another episode. We're going to worship something, even if it's ourselves. But you see, as a follower of Christ, as a redeemed child of God, Everything I do should be an expression of my love and worship for God and for my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My worship is not just a Sunday morning event. It's more than a Sunday morning nod to God. Worship is an all-of-life experience. It guides my thoughts and my actions. It resonates from deep within my heart that is the heart that is devoted to God. And I am to worship God at all times with my head, with my heart, and with my hands. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for what you have taught us about yourself in your word. You have revealed yourself to us. You have revealed yourself and your creation around us. We can see and know for sure that you are real and that you are true. Thank you, Father, that even though we have sinned and rebelled against you, you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to come into this world and, and to bear the burden for our sin and to be our Savior so that we might be restored and renewed into our original creation. We might be renewed into the purpose of our life, which is to serve you and bring you honor and glory and praise. And Lord, we confess we all fall short at times of what true worship looks like. But we pray, Father, that as we draw near to you, as we, as we learn to worship you both publicly in, our, in worship services, but also in our private lives, that we would just have a greater understanding of who you are. We'd have a deeper love for you. We would have a deeper desire to be like you because you are perfect and holy and righteous and true. And you're also loving and kind and merciful. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the salvation that is ours in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For it is in his precious name that I pray. Amen.